Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to the Holy Spirit Blog Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Minister G.R. Harden, and I thank you guys for tuning in. All right, it's a wonderful day. It's May 17th, uh, 2017, on a hump day, and we thank you guys for uh, tuning into this broadcast. We've been going away for a while, uh, but we are back, and uh, we're doing just a test show tonight, actually, but on some real topics, but we just want to make sure everything was a go and all the sound and um, the um, audio was uh, correct. I hope you, like, you guys have been enjoying a, a wonderful um, uh, early summer uh, days of, of warm weather. Uh, even so, in other parts of the country, unfortunately, uh, they've been uh, experiencing a lot of tornadoes, man. I think there were, there were hundreds of tornadoes that had touched down in that Oklahoma area. And we send our prayers out for all our brothers and sisters out in Oklahoma and those surrounding area, Kansas as well, uh, that are going through all those uh, um, traumatic uh, tornado tornadoes and, and, and storms uh, that that is plaguing uh, the Midwest, uh, so to speak. And um, so I wanted to come on tonight and talk about a few things, man, that, that have been um, – troubling me, but also I wanted you guys to also know about the Community One Healing and Restoration Project that we have we have um, started already uh, in the Metro Atlanta area. Wonderful uh, project that uh, myself and, and three other colleagues are putting together, and we're going to be doing some incredible things uh, in the metro area and dealing with a lot of businesses and as well as investors uh, trying to create black dollars uh, primarily in those said communities. Uh, one of the main reasons why is because it, not just in, in Georgia or Atlanta, but all around you're seeing uh, many cities that are uh, going through redlining and some form of gentrification. And I know in Atlanta, uh, around the um, Braves, the former Braves Stadium downtown Atlanta, and that surrounding area, um, a lot of those homes have been bought out, and they're trying to raise the rent around those areas because I believe Georgia State, uh, if I'm not mistaken, now they're going to uh, control um, the um, the former the old Braves Stadium that now has moved to Cobb County, but nevertheless, and so they're trying to really uh, move those people out. So I think they're going to be having the football games at that stadium as well and some other things and building more uh, dorms and so forth and housing for the students uh, of, of uh, Georgia State. And so many people have been complaining, and thank God the mayor uh, is, is spearheading uh, this thing to, to make sure that these uh, wealthy uh, outsiders don't come in and buy these people off and run them off and uh, no longer do they have a stake uh, in their own community. This thing is really serious, man, and, and what we have to begin to understand and understand is, is collectively uh, we can overcome anything. But when we are so busy uh, doing me, I'm getting my money, you're getting your money, I'm branding myself for my family and, 
and so on and so forth, that's confusion. And truth be told, that's ungodly. That's fine that, that, that you have X amount, amount of dollars in the bank account and you have a great uh, portfolio and your children uh, have a great future. Wonderful. But what does it the community, because not everybody's going to have a great portfolio. Not everybody's going to have a great job. But what they're going to have and better have is, is each other. Because even though you may make six, seven, eight figures, you just won a thousand. And the sad thing to say about uh, uh, people of color is every time we get, we get our hands on some money, we get the hell on anyway. We move out of the, out of the community. I went to a wonderful um, conference last week. Um, uh, they were they were filming, not filming, but they were showing uh, the movie Black Friday. And uh, one of the questions that it opened up with was, when you die, will you, will you leave bills or benefits? Wonderful movie, and I urge you to, to, to try to see that. I think Rich, Rich, Rick Math, Mathis uh, is the director of, of that movie. I think it's Rick, Rick Mathis is, is uh, the uh, uh, director of uh, Black Friday. Wonderful movie, man. But after that, they had a Q&A uh, with uh, city commissioners, the pastor on board, Rick Mathis, the, uh, the uh, director of, that sh- uh, of the movie Black Friday, was on that panel. A few other brothers that, that, that had a financial background and whatnot, and, and people were asking questions about the community and what they can do and, 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 and how they can really galvanize it. And, and what disappointed me uh, most of all about that uh, uh, lecture and that screening was that it, there were six brothers on the panel, five, well, six brothers and a sister. And when they were asked about how could we trans- transform uh, these black dollars, uh, you know, uh, um, in our communities, you know, they all had a vague answer that to give, and it was so vague I don't remember what the what the hell they said. But what I do remember is that sister uh, that was on that panel talking about them having to come together with a renewed mind first, and the fact that uh, black folks got to stop leaving the the, the 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 communities and moving to the suburbs and leaving the rest behind. See, that's the problem with, with so many of us today. We're so busy and so apt to run off and live with, 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 with the uh, with the white folks and think that 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 we've made it, so to speak. George Jefferson moving on up. And I was listening to a wonderful um, show, the Philip Matthews show, and um, a wonderful um, psychologist. He was on there, and he was talking about um, you know black. African Americans moving to the to the uh, suburbs and in those white communities, and there was a study that showed that when an African African American male who has a who has a, uh, a, a college degree or higher uh, with a well off job and living in a white community, that the risk of death is highest. Because this brother is, is is so stressed out, his stress level is higher. People, and and the death rate uh, goes down. Me- meaning, instead of dying at seventy two, he died at sixty two, or sixty five. 
You want to ask yourself, well, how is that? Easy. He's driving in that neighborhood, meaning the brother. Might be married with kids in the whole nine. And feeling the pressure of waving at some of these folks and these folks looking at him crazy. He goes to the, the neighborhood Starbucks. People are staring at him, looking at, looking at him up and down. You know, and, and, and uh, he's a homo. Taxpayer. But he gets those looks and those stares constantly, even if he's in that neighborhood for 10 plus years. But yet, when he's in his own community, he has a higher level of, of, of living, longer, longevity. And that's so amazing, people. It's so amazing. All across this country, we're seeing housing, the cost of housing is going up double, some, some places triple. Out there in California, uh, the sister, her uh, name is um, uh, Toria Cheeks. So she's a math teacher out in uh, San Francisco. And in this article that was written by Heather Knight uh, a few days ago, she's talking about this teacher and how the San Francisco housing cost has made this sister ho- uh, homeless. Mind you, she's a, she's a math teacher. She's also a coach. She's a badminton coach. But you know now she teaches at an all-white school. So amazing. I was reading this article, man. It blew my mind, brother. I mean, just it, was, it, it just it, it blew my mind. And it, and it talks about uh, how Victoria uh, Cheeks, uh, she teaches math. It's a public high school in San Francisco, and she teaches algebra to teenagers. And, um, and what's so crazy about it is she's making $65,000 a year, and yet she's, she's having to bus and ride the train uh, some hour and a half to get to school because she's homeless. At $65,000 a year, she's homeless, people. And what it said in this article was that um, the shocking indication of just how bad a San Francisco teacher housing situation is, Cheek is homeless. She's a professional with a teaching, teaching credential and master's degree in one of the richest cities in the world and cannot find housing. She slept on bunk beds in downtown hostels for two months in a homeless shelter for one terrible night before the teachers' union found a, a retired member willing to let uh, Miss Cheek sleep in her guest room until she finds her own place. She says, technically, I don't have my own place until I get a lease. And that's true. San Francisco is no longer geared for teachers. It's not geared for anyone who makes Cheek's salary around 65000 a year as a full-time instructor at that academy. In San Francisco at uh, Mikatir, a public High school that shares a a, a, a Portland Drive campus with Ruth Oswa School of Arts. So amazing, man! So amazing. So this 35-year-old woman, Miss Cheese, moved from Georgia just a couple of years ago, back in 2015, to substitute Cheese before joining the school district full time. Six months later, she coaches badminton and help struggling kids in an after-school tutoring program for extra calves. 
cash, I'm sorry. And she was renting a room in a house in Daly City when she learned in December the house was in foreclosure. And she was evicted with no family here. Few friends and no savings because of a dispute over the security deposit. Uh, she had to scramble, man. And she had to put her stuff in storage and pay 30 to $50 a night for dorm beds and downtown hostels moving around because of they prohibit stays of more than 14 days. You looked at the below market rental lottery, you know, lotteries run by mayor office of housing, but she made too much to qualify. She applied, applied for apartments on Craigslist and other sites, but there was very little she could afford. She kept striking out. And when the money ran out, her money ran low after two months in hostels, she was forced to sleep in a south of the market emergency homeless shelter called a woman's place. And I was there for a night, and I was so freaked out. She said, I finally went to sleep and woke up the next day and went to work. I didn't let anyone at school know. Desperate, she called the teachers union for help and has been staying with a retired member in West Portal until she finds a permanent house. The unworkable math teacher, teacher's housing was detailed in the Chronicle last year. The San Francisco cost of living was by far the highest among 821 school districts in the state, but its average teacher pay ranked with the likes of, of the Dixon, uh, Susanville, and Chowchilla at number 528. Nothing much has changed. In fact, a new report by Apartment List, an online listing of apartments for rent, grouped by location, showed that San Francisco teachers, teachers have it not only the worst in the state, but the worst in the entire country. Most people become more financially secure as they advance in their careers. But San Francisco teachers, it turns out, actually have it worse unless they want to live with their roommate college style forever. A rookie teacher in the city makes about $4,473 a month. And that teacher has to spend 51% of his or her income before taxes to rent half of a two-bedroom apartment, sharing it with a roommate, the apartment list report concluded. But let's say that a teacher's fifth year on the job living with a roommate is getting old. Living solo in a one-bedroom San Francisco apartment will eat up 69% of the teacher's income in 10 years into the job if our teachers want to really spread out in a palatial two-bedroom apartment with a spouse and kids, the price tag will be 73% of a teacher's salary. So amazing, man. Paycheck, I mean. Teachers are the number one, in many, many cases, they are the most important factor in a child's life. And yet here it is. This sister from Georgia Move to San Francisco, and the more money she made, the harder it, it, it'll become for her living. Because, and I'm gonna be real with you, you got all them foreign fuckers over. I, I mean, pardon my French. You got all them foreign jackasses that come that come over here. Free freaking scholarships, India, Pakistan, Indonesia, and elsewhere. Get them, get get them uh, uh, IT jobs. They can half million dollars a year. Ain't broke a sweat and get hired by Google 
and, and all these all these jobs out there in San Francisco, uh, Twitter, and, and, and all them jackasses, and they got a free ride from the time they was 10 years old. How un-American can you get? Bring the asses over here using the Civil Rights Bill to get all kind of free shit and then got a job making a minimum of a half million dollars a year. That's insane. And they give nothing back to society. Have you ever seen anybody from India, Pakistan, Middle East ever contribute anything to our society? Nada. Have you ever seen them standing standing for any rights? I don't care if it's gay rights, ever. Nada. They stay quiet and take the damn money. Just a waste of waste of life. They have they have the only thing only thing they, they they're driven on is money. That's it. Not humanity, money. So amazing, man. I saw another article that uh, in Ebony Magazine about Bill Pickard. He's a multi-millionaire. He was talking about the vision, the strategy vision, and keeping black dollars at home. He was talking about, uh, he wrote a new book uh, trying to teach black folks how to keep that dollar home. And um, he's talking about African-Americans spending more dollar with each other. And I saw something earlier today that said that if, if, if black folks spent $20 a day, all black folks spent at least $20 a day on an African-American business, I think I said within one year, we can uplift ourselves out of any plight. I'm talking about nationwide. One year, don't buy from nobody else but your, but your own. So this uh, affable Detroit-based entrepreneur and author of Millionaire Moves, um, Seven Proving Principles of Entrepreneurship. Uh, he wrote this book uh, not too long ago, people, uh, this year. And um, offered that opinion when asked about Philadelphia's new uh, I Buy Black card and efforts spearheaded by business leaders, including music legend Kenny Gamble, to keep more black consumer dollars within the community. And everything that we can do helps. Let uh, let me repeat myself. Everything that we can do helps. Is is uh, this brother Bill Packers talking about? And he's talking about. Um, he would suggest uh, that in Chicago, Detroit, the black dollar stayed longer in our communities back in 1955 than it did in 2017. Now, now you know he ain't lying. And he said because it was more black businesses in those communities and black merchants. And they transferred that money between black people. He also added that, you know, we tried politics and you know what happened. We tried marching. We tried protesting. And there is no silver bullet. And entrepreneurship is not a silver bullet, but economics drive most of our lives. The more money we keep in our community, a longer period of time, we all will benefit. Wonderful book, man. Again, it's called Millionaire Moves, uh, Seven Proven Principles of Entrepreneurship by William F. Uh, Pickard. PhD. So I, I urge you to check that book out on Amazon too, man. But um, 
his long his career in business uh, it, it has illustrated the most the best potential of black entrepreneurship. The Global Automotive Alliance, a network of logistics and, and manufacturing firms of which he is founder and chairman, had $415 million in revenue in 2015, <clears throat> according to Black Enterprise. And this 75-year-old mogul is also co-managing partner of MGM Grand uh, Detroit Casino. He's CEO of the Beerwood Management Company and co-owner of five Black-owned newspapers. Along the way, he picked up a Ph.D. in psychology from Ohio State University, committed to promoting black economic success. He has served on the boards of National Urban League and Detroit Black Chamber of Commerce, among many other organizations. And now he's sharing all this in that wonderful book called Millionaire Moves, man. And he says, in both, uh, in both relevant to millennials aspiring to uh, entrepreneurial success and old, older people who unexpectedly find themselves out of a job and needing to create their own income opportunities. Wonderful book, man, written with journalist Denise uh, Crichton and, and Breezy Guide includes life lessons from Pickett Streetwise, uh, number running Uncle Uncle Paul, plenty of inspirational pep talk, and numerous war stories from Pickett's years in the trenches, capitalism. An interview with Ebony Pickett described how the insight he shared in the book relate to current events. Uh, he did this wonderful article in Ebony. I'm going to just read a little bit of it that he talked about. And, they, and Ebony asked him, where are the opportunities for black entrepreneurs in places like Detroit where you achieve your own business success in Flint, Michigan, where you live as a youth? So uh, Mr. Pickard said, opportunities are everywhere. We just have to flip the switch and that there are some dynamics now that we just have to become accustomed to. For example, in Flint, Michigan, which gave me a tremendous start, start in life. Jobs are not coming back, no matter what the politician says. The jobs didn't go to Mexico, by the way. The, the jobs didn't go to China. Primarily, by the way, the jobs went to technology. And that's the new frontier. That's the new horizon. So true about that. And um, Ebony also asked about the seven proven principles. He, and he said, um, they said, um, you list in your book include vision and attitude, opportunity, finance, relationship, talent, and skill set, failure and failure and faith. Which of those principles is most pivotal to success if you had to choose? And Mr. Pickard answered, I would, I, I'm sure your, mo your mother would, would say, ask me which one of my children, if you read the book and listened to my lectures, I talk about Flipboard, I talk about reading, 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 exposure, and the Internet. you got to see what you want to be. Visualization is critical. you just got to see it. Amen, amen. And he says, um, I tell people use Flipboards. Um, if look, I think that's what um, Ebony and Jet founder Mr. Johnson was doing when he showed Sugar Ray Robinson in his Cadillac in Harlem with 50 suits and 75 pairs of shoes. It was partly aspirational psychology, but that was what Ebony did in those early days. It exposed us to what was possible. Wonderful article, man. And um wanted to bring that to you. And um, there was another article that I saw, and it's talking about, um, it was in Shopback. 
a dynamic blend of co- content and commerce. Uh, Shop Black is, is, is wonderful. Uh, um, um, e magazine that talks about black and beauty stores. And this one article was talking about the struggles of the politics of uh, black folks owning their own beauty stores, but not just owning, but trying to buy product, man. <laughs> you know, trying to trying to get product because you know the Asians they they dominate the whole damn thing. So this article it talks about the politics behind the black beauty store industry dominated by Koreans. So this wonderful sister, her name is Karen. Karen Coffee, uh, she has her own beauty store, of course, and she opened she opened uh, Bella, Bella Beauty and Hair this January with lots of optimism and a stylist eye for hair extensions and other products tailored to Black women, of course. So she thought that she thought that would be good enough to succeed. Um, she didn't realize the game would be stacked against her before she opened her doors. And like and like black entrepreneurs before her, Coffee quickly discovered that behind the beauty supply storefronts that dot the nation's urban neighborhoods and suburban shopping plazas sits a multi-billion-dollar industry for black hair products that's run larger by South Koreans and does not see its power or market share without a fight. So Korean Americans concerned the market decades ago by controlling the manufacturing, distribution, and retail sale of hair extensions the money maker of this industry. Black owners believe Korean wholesalers shut them out and only supply Korean retailers. So amazing, man. These guys making multi-billions of dollars. So amazing. On, 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 so Coffee says she's been seeing, Coffee says she's seen that firsthand uh, some Korean wholesalers, she says, have denied or ignored her request for products. Meanwhile, a new Korean-owned store that opened across the street a month ago, a month before hers has some braids she can't get. All of it is run by Koreans, said Coffee. Uh, a lot of them don't make it easy for blacks to get in. I didn't know it would be this challenging. So amazing, man. So amazing. And she says, uh, Korean wholesalers deny any prefer- pre- preferential treatment. He said, Shaking Go, which supplies Coffee's nearby competitors, that it works with retailers based on local competition and other ex- ex- exclusively economic factors, and the choices are far more being discriminatory. So Coffee, though, says those statements run co- contrary to what she and other black beauty supply owners experience daily. And Coffee's part of a growing number of black women here and around the country determined to preserve, to persevere, even if it means bypassing the Korean supply chain they're going to extreme lengths exploring innovations and, and grit to do so. And um, so amazing, man. There's been really a, a concerted effort to get black people to enter the retail side of the business. They had Lori Thoughts, Temple University journalism professor and co-author of Hair Story, Untangling the Roots of Black Hair in America. And there are success stories, she added, somehow black people are finding alternative suppliers and moving past this idea that Koreans are keeping them out of this very lucrative space. Uh, what's that brother name? Uh, I forgot that brother name. He, he has the. Uh, 
his brother has um name with their brother name I forgot but but he he has a um a workshop that he does around around the country uh, dealing with dealing with black beauty stores uh, opening up black black beauty stores uh, professor um what's his name professor I can't think of his name now but it, yeah he goes by professor something and um, and um, he does a lot for um, people all across the um, um, country opening up, who, want, who wants to open up a black uh, beauty store. And um, this, this brother is making a lot of, uh, a lot of good, good ways, man, by helping um, a lot of people um, become owners and entrepreneurs of of um you know living out their dreams of owning black beauty stores and my my whole focus tonight really was to come on and, and really talk about uh coming together and unifying but but seeing the plight of us uh as, as i read as I, as I read earlier about the system in california same thing's going going on in miami you got women uh uh down there as well uh, struggling uh to survive. And, and and to make a living, man, this this thing is crazy, man. This thing, Professor Devins, is brother, the brother name is Professor Devins, and and he has the Black Beauty Supply Institute. That's what it's called, Black Beauty Supply Institute. Brother, the brother is helping people open up beauty stores worldwide, man. And and and, and shout out to that brother, man. God bless him, you know, because you know, yes, we don't have to go through the careers. You know, we can find other ways of making it, but but the main thing is we have to begin, like uh, Brother William Pickett said, we gotta we gotta be, begin to support one another, man, and keep and keep that dollar within within, within those varied communities, man, and stop running around trying to go uptown and all kind of downtown Manhattan, and you know on the phone with you, yeah, girl, I'm downtown Manhattan, you know all all, all the stuff you're doing and and you're wasting your time, uh, spending spending your money where people don't even like your ass. And you help and you helping them and their families. So amazing. We got to come together, people. We got a dangerous, dangerous man in the White House with a wicked staff and cabinet, and they're trying to do everything in their power to take us back to to the dark ages. There are many organizations. Uh, around us that are doing a great, great things, and, sh- and shout out to all of them that are doing great things and, and, and putting their dollars and putting, you know, putting their mouth where the, where the dollar is, and, and 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 trying to unify and work together as a team. This is my time is up. I thank you all for tuning in, and um, I want to leave you guys with, with, with this brother, uh, Reverend. His brilliant speech that, that he gave uh, not so long ago that was powerful, man. I, I want to leave you all with, with, with this powerful message uh, to the black man and the black woman. As we always say in parting, to know yourselves and to love yourselves. And to love yourselves comes by spending time with God. We love you. Peace. And see you on the next episode. First, got to remove the impurities in order for America to be.
there's some impurities we got to remove. Racism is an impurity. Anti-unionism is a impurity. Meanness is an impurity. Hate is an impurity. Poverty is an impurity. Don't you understand how afraid they are of our unity? Think about this. If, if they had to engage in voter suppression just to win, if they had to spend pornographic sums of money to divide and conquer us, if they had to go all the way to Russia and get help just to win, if they had to depend on 97 million voters, black and white, Latino, not voting, we are not weak. Somebody fears our unity. Because you don't cheat somebody that you can win in a fair fight. So I came by here to say what your theme says. No more separation. Black and white, Latino, let's come together. No more separation. Economics and racism, we got to bring all of that together. No more separation. White workers and black workers and health care and voting rights and immigrant rights. All of those things are interconnected. No more separation. Voting rights is a union issue. Wages is a civil rights issue. We need a steadfast togetherness so that our movement will not have movement fatigue. We can't bow down now. Now we must be strong together. 